All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life around the table today. Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring, Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. I am Josh Bales from The Well Church, and we have a guest host today, Pastor Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed something Church. Something or other. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks for having me. Wanted to plug the conference real quick. Um, it's, man, it's already almost May. And we have a conference coming up this October, October 21st and 22nd. Um, back from our inaugural conference, we have uh, Dr. Joel Beakey and uh, Dr. Derek Thomas this year. The topic will be on the church, October 21st and 22nd. Don't want to miss it. You can go to reformationboise.com and sign up there. You look like you wanted to say something. I got nothing. No. Nope. I think they're leaking like laughing gas or something into the studio today because we were laughing our faces off before we um, actually came on the air. Uh, so we are continuing our trek through um, Paul Tripp's book, Do You Believe? Um, I think I want to give, again, a plug for the, the way that the book is structured, namely that it gives you the doctrine and then it gives you the um, practical application of the doctrine. That's what this show is about, the gospel for life. We... We believe that the truths of God's word should impact our everyday life. It's not just for Sunday; it's for it's for every day in every sphere of our um, being. I happen to be looking at um, Jay Gresham Machen's book, Christianity and Liberalism, and he has a section in there that I was reading that pertained to the resurrection. Um, but in that section, he was making the case that there are certain things that we believe, and those are doctrine. Um, and then what he was going on to say is that that's not enough, that that doctrine needs an application, that that doctrine needs to be lived out um, and experienced. And it just reminded me of, of Tripp's book, that this is something that has been true throughout the ages. This is how Paul um, wrote all of his epistles, that this is doctrine, this is truth, these are the things that we believe, and then he moves into, now the so what? What difference does this make? How does this play out in everyday life? And if you go to the great um, confessions of the church, um, catechisms of the church, so often you'll find in, whether it's the Heidelberg Catechism or the Westminster Catechisms, these questions of almost, they don't phrase them as so what, but in essence they're like, so what benefit is there from this? What is the comfort from this doctrine? How do you apply this doctrine? Mm -hmm. And so what Tripp is doing, what we're trying to do on this show is something as old as the church. Mm -hmm. um, this is what we believe, and this is the why it matters. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and we can get out of balance if we're <clears throat> focusing um, only on the truth of that application, or we can get out of balance is if we run to the application and we, we don't base it on the truth. So today we're on the doctrine of sin. And so in, in this short series, we're going to be talking a lot about sin. So if, if you're saying, man, where's the hope in this? Well, hopefully we'll sprinkle it in throughout, but just stay tuned for the next part, which is going to be on justification by faith alone. So let's start with sin. What is sin? What are some helpful, helpful ways to define sin? I think the Westminster Shorter Catechism has a helpful definition of any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And if you've never heard that phraseology before, it covers kind of the whole basis, all the basis of what sin is. Um, want of conformity unto means that we don't do what we're supposed to do. You know, there are things that God is positively commanded to do this, and we don't do it. And then the other side 
or transgression of where he says, don't do this. And we say, no, we're going to do it. So I think that's a helpful definition, kind of covering both the positive or the sins of what we call sins of commission, that we're actively doing something, but then also sins of omission, where we don't do what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And Jesus is helpful in in the Sermon on the Mount to to help us realize that it's not just um, actions that matter. Right. It's not just our behavior. It's also the motivations. What what lingers underneath the surf, surface. And so, when we talk about that, we are out of step with what God has commanded. Sometimes we're actually physically out of step, and other times we are in our hearts in rebellion to what God has commanded, and or what he is requiring of us or restricting of us. Yep. Um, you know, this idea of sin is not just a, a Christian idea. Like every worldview, um, every human being has to deal with um, this this idea that there's something wrong in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy Pierce, does a really good job of this in her book, Total Truth, where she basically says that every worldview has to answer four basic questions. Where do we come from? What's gone wrong with the world? How is the world made right? Um, and that second question, how is the, uh, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with me? That's the question of sin. And every worldview has a doctrine of sin, um, but they're, they're blaming the wrongness of the world on something else. So, so for instance, like it, we, we've grown up in the, the worldview of postmodernism. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Well, what's, What's the doctrine of sin in the the worldview of postmodernism? Well, it's the idea that you're saying that your truth is true truth and you're oppressing everybody else with it. That's what's wrong with the world. People like you who claim that there's a meta narrative. Yeah. Or or like what we're seeing right now with um, you know, um, this kind of neo-Marxism. The pro- what's wrong with the world is inequality. And what we need to do to make the world right again is, is level everybody off so that everybody is perfectly equal. So everybody has a doctrine of sin. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying yeah, to sure. yeah, from 30,000 feet, it's not a Christian thing. Yeah. You, you probably heard that uh, you know, an editor one time during the period of time that G.K. Chesterton lived actually um, in the paper asked the question, what's wrong with the world? Uh, Chesterton's response was, you know, dear editor, uh, what's wrong with the world? I am. Yes. And, and, you know, just acknowledging, you know, that he was a sinner as well. In fact, he, he said at one time, um, you know, the doctrine of original sin or the doctrine, of the fact that men are sinners is something that is, doesn't lack for empirical evidence. I mean, really, in one sense, it's, it's not really hard to show people that they err, that they're sinners. Um, it's much harder to help them see that they are under the guilt of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's a helpful thing to just pause on is this whole idea Jonathan just mentioned, original sin. Um, maybe we should just back up and just talk about, well, what is original sin? Because um, I think everybody does agree that something's wrong with the world. Um, I think you would have to be completely naive, um, Pollyanna on steroids here. <laughs> but so I think everybody agrees with that. They do disagree about what is it, the source of all of that yeah. wrongness. And so and that's what we mean when we talk about original sin. And we're talking not about the first sin, but we're talking about the source and the, and the fact that it has. Um, uh, you know, we're all inheritors of that sin that it has gone to all men. 
So what 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 are we talking about with that regard of original sin? What is that? Because I worked for a guy that basically said people are are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By nature, they're good. And if we correct the educational system, if we inc- correct their environment, if we have better institutions, they'll flourish. Yeah. So as well, long as we correct the externals. Everybody knows that we're naturally good. I mean, Anne Frank wrote it and wrote it out, and it's on a memorial downtown in our, <laughs> <laughs> that she actually believes in the goodness of, of man. Well, the problem is uh, the Bible doesn't believe in the goodness of man at this point. Yeah. You know, while God created all men good actually very good and there was the capacity to sin and yeah. and they and and they fell in that sin by the temptation of the of the devil there was that external cause but there was an internal um cause too um their willingness to sin um they they answered that e- external cause uh, satan couldn't force them into it but they willingly did this yeah it was a desire to be god themselves yeah. And, you know, that, um, again, even in the garden, this, this desire that is at the heart of sin of throwing off God's control, his right of authority, his right to direct what we're to do. And, you know, that throwing off and rebellion, you know, in the heart, you know, has, you know, we're all born with that nature of seeking our own wants and desires and seeking out what we want rather than what God would want. And um, we're all culpable to it. So we've been kind of talking about Genesis 3, um, which is the storyline of when Adam and Eve first sinned. So that's the first sin of all humanity. And Satan comes and, in essence, questions God's word and undermines the, the truthfulness of that word and also begins to chip away at God's authority to be able to even make demands of humans. And Adam and Eve, unfortunately, assert um, their own prerogative to, to be out from underneath God's rule and control and authority, and they desire to be their own moral authority. They desire to be their own, in control of their own life, and they desired that desire led for them to disobey God. And God's decree of that was that now sin is going to reign in the hearts and lives of people. And so now, instead of being like Adam and Eve, um, created in innocence, um, we all are born in sin. Mm-hmm. We are all born with the sin nature. Um, so what that means is I'm a sinner because I sin, and also I'm a sinner because I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I'm born that way, yeah. and I sin because I was born that way. Are you mm-hmm. co- are you quoting a late Lady Gaga song? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> he said yes. <laughs> so um, Pastor Ryan quoted the Shorter Catechism earlier. Um, on this idea of original sin, it gives us three qu- component parts of it. Number one, um, first of all, Adam's guilt. Um, the guilt of, of Adam's first sin is part of original sin. Secondly, the lack of original righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, um, the corruption of the whole nature. So I mean, this is one, and I hope to get um, to this um, more clearly in, in a future broadcast, but there is a difference between like the reform doctrine of sin 
and um, a non-reformed doctrine of sin. Because when we say that um, when Adam and Eve fell, their whole nature was corrupted, we mean something um, very specific by that. Um, we mean that now that there now there's an inability to um, find one's way back to God without without divine intervention. We um, would use the phrase total depravity yes. that involves total inability. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. total inability. And, and right. it's total because it refers to... Uh, the extent of it, not not in the sense that we're as bad as we could be, because right. everybody has uh, room for deprove, deprovement, right. um, but that it, it has affected all of our faculty. Right, our mind, right. our heart... And our will, and we don't have enough time to, to unpack that here. But but know this: if you if you're saying, "Well, I've heard that term before, original sin," what does that mean? Oh, it means those three things: the guilt of Adam's first sin, the um, the want of or lack of original righteousness, and the corruption of his whole nature. And if you've ever seen sin in an infant, you know you you realize. You, and some people don't understand what I'm saying, but. If that infant had the will yeah. equal to, I mean, the ability, that, the, the strength, ability, <laughs> and there would be uh, a, a massive, off. and there would be some massive destruction yeah. uh, that takes place. Yeah, that's what Augustine said in Confessions. I, I just real quick, it, some people might hear what Josh was saying and say, "Wait, I don't see people walking around with guilt. Um, they seem to be pretty carefree in their sin." Um, but that's. One of our techniques of dealing with sin is to bury it under layers of other distractions and those things that take away um, that feeling of guilt that we all have. And it's one of the, the sinfulness of sin is this idea that we, we distract ourselves from our greatest problem. Well, you'll have to... I, I, we're leaving at a cliffhanger here, but you have to tune in tomorrow. We'll see you next time. This has been the Gospel for Life. See ya.